Hey, Matt. Yes? I'm gonna kill you if you don't beat me to it. That's how we're starting this? Exactly. There's no other way to start a Phoebe Greater's review than uh, quoting that, that lyric there, man. All right. All right. Hey, yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, so we are back at it again. Uh, this is a podcast called Hey, Listen to This, which you probably already know because you clicked onto this episode and you you can read. So congratulations for getting this far. Well, you never know. This could, <laughs> I mean, this could be their first time listening to us. So uh, if you don't know us... Uh, I'm Matt Derzik. And I am Ryan Kearns. And every episode we talk about an album that we've listened to. Uh, sometimes an album we've cherished for many years. Sometimes an album we've listened to for the first time. Or sometimes an album that's crap. We haven't really done any real crap albums yet, but we might get there. Uh, Keon, uh, Kanye West was pretty close. <laughs> Kanye West. Kanye West. Uh, no, Kanye West was pretty close to being crap, to be honest with you, man. Uh, yeah, and you weren't a big fan of uh, Exile and Guyville either. Yeah, that was that was pretty crappy. Well, like, now, what would you consider to be like a crappy album? Like something that we were like rate below, like lower than a five? I would say, yeah, lower than a five would be where we would go. Now, would we purposefully suggest an album that we would just be like, hey, let's rate the crap album, or do like are we gonna continue with our format? Be like that hey. is that is a good question. I uh, I don't know. I want to say no. Let's not do that. Let let let's let's find the crap organically in the wild. Yeah. Maybe, like, one day, like, we can, uh, like, pick a random new metal album just to, uh, like, you know, revisit that time period with a fresh new set of ears. But yeah. as it stands right now, it's based on, like, you know, how I want, like, the albums I want to pick and the direction I want to go. Like, new metal, Limp Bizkit, and Corn are far away from here. That's that's perfectly fair. So, so this album that we're doing today is not in that category. It is an album that Ryan selected called Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers. And Ryan, I'm gonna go let go ahead and let you explain why you chose this album. So Phoebe Bridgers is one of my favorite uh, female singer songwriters. Uh, this album is. I'm just gonna spoil it out right out of the gate. I. I freaking love this album. Okay. And there's one specific song on here that I thought would speak to you as being a uh, country fan. So. Okay, I think I think I know which one you're talking about, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know. I'm a huge fan of uh, Miss Bridgers, and I wanted to like you know showcase like another record in my collection that. Um, that's a little bit more modern day that I have some major love for that I know that you haven't personally explored. Right, which I, and since then I've explored it uh, two and a half times. Okay. So uh, I, I think I'm ready to go. Let's, yeah. let's get right into it. Um, so <clears throat> brief introduction to Phoebe Bridges. Uh, she got her major break from touring with uh, one Connor Oberst from uh, Bright Eyes fame. That's how I actually discovered her. Me and my wife uh, went to go see Connor Oberst in concert, and Phoebe Bridges was opening up for Mr. Oberst. And at the time, I was just like, oh, well, this is a cool, like, you know, female singer-songwriter act. But, like, nothing really stuck out to me. It wasn't until I heard the song Kyoto mm. that I was really drawn in, and then I... Uh, decided to check out Punisher as a whole, and the rest was history. <coughs> um, and 
So, Punisher was released in uh, the year of our lore, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and it really does encapsulate the feeling of loneliness and, like, you know, isolation that the pandemic did bring across, like, across the world. I... I, I definitely feel where you're getting at. I don't think it's as direct as you're making it, but I definitely understand where you're coming from. Because the one thing I do like about this album a lot is the overall tone of it seeming consistent, number one, mm-hmm. and painting a picture in your head of just where this is taking place. Mm-hmm. Because throughout the whole album, particularly on one song, which we'll get to, which I think is the highlight of the album, um, this whole album feels like it was recorded... Uh, in her apartment like half the songs like she's laying in bed just thinking about her life trying to process everything you know maybe she'll get up and like get a cup of coffee or you know, go to the keyboard and pump out a tune or something but overall it's just sort of this it, it, you're right it just it's sort of placed together all within this tight space that doesn't have a whole lot of room for expansion yeah you're absolutely right man like I can definitely see like the um, where you're getting at, like, it was basically, like, in one environment, one state of mind, and just one entirely, like, you know, mood. So, <clears throat> that being said, you ready to kick it off with uh, DVD Menu? Yes, uh, let's kick it off with DVD Menu, uh, which I will say is probably more important than it is good. Yeah. Um, and I love the name of it. I think that's the par- best part of the song is the name of it. Yeah. Because... Talking about being alone in your apartment, especially during uh, COVID, is that, you know, a DVD menu just sort of this, like, set-up piece or this piece of music that just sort of loops around and, you know, sort of sets the mood for whatever it is that you're about to go through. Mm -hmm. And so I think in that regard, this is a perfect uh, starter to the album just in tone and uh, like and when I say perfect I don't mean perfect as in like oh my goodness it has to be like considered among like Bohemian Rhapsody and you know Stairway to Heaven no not like that but for the album itself it sets the scene perfectly to what's about to come next as compared to whenever we did the Black Country New Road episode man like how <clears throat> the first uh, track off of that album was instrumental and um, you and I were talking about like, hey, like this doesn't really introduce themes or like you know the feeling of the album. And DVD menu, which is a much shorter, yes, uh, track compared to instrumental by Black Country New Road, gets right to the point, and it is, it is pretty much what it says it is. It's basically like you know if you pop into DVD, this is what you get. Yeah, this is the music that you're listening to when you forget to you know you you slept halfway through the movie. It's one o'clock in the morning. Your head's in a daze, you know, all the lights are down um, from the sky and up in the city, and you're just kind of like, well, I I don't know what's going on with my life, and that's, you know, (laughs) the music that goes along with it. Yeah. So, moving on to Garden Song. Uh, And the transition from DVD menu to Garden Song is pretty seamless in my opinion i would say so i would say so it it, it, it's fascinating too because it doesn't really the the two songs really have nothing to do with each other but the sonics like you say the the flow it just goes from one to another seamlessly yeah and right out of the gate you get hit with what this the song the album and what basically phoebe bridges is as a whole in terms of like her like you know compositional style and that she really dials in on her vocals um the instrumentation is more of a 
backdrop, it adds, like if you zone in on different parts here or there, it really adds to the elements of what the song is bringing. Mm -hmm. But like the main attraction, why you're there, is to hear uh, the vocals and the lyrics. And the lyrics paint such a vivid, vivid image of like, you know, like in specific this song, about like, you know, growing up and like, you know, seeing a neighborhood change. Like when I was revisiting this song in preparation for the podcast, I kind of had to do a double take whenever the lyric about the, your skinhead neighbor goes missing, I'll plant a garden. Yeah. I had to do a double take. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, cause I didn't catch it the first time. Cause it was more like, I don't know. I feel like with this song and maybe a couple others on like, on this album, like if you don't listen to the lyrics, this song is ba like this could be a vibe. It, exactly, and I think in that and spoiler alert, this is how I feel about most of the album is that I think the vibes are stronger than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, not that the lyrics aren't strong themselves, because you're right, the lyrics do paint this image of you know sort of waking up and sort of thinking about things, and mm -hmm. you know the freshness of a new day and the freshness of wanting new things and being goal-oriented at the start of everything. Mm. Um, I, I think that the album, or, well, the album as a whole, but this song in particular does a very good job of doing that. Um, now, am I the biggest fan of the production on this album per se? Not really. And and, and I don't mean it's bad, because I think this album is very good. Spoilers. But um, it's just not my cup of tea to have that sort of, like, floaty sort of it's almost too vibey at times to the point where like you mentioned how the lyrics stand out like there were times listening to this album because I listened to it specifically while driving and there were just times where I was just like eh, you know like I, I sort of got lost in my own thoughts while the album was like oh right this album so um, the, the vibes sort of carry it more um, than anything else but that's not a bad thing at all yeah yeah <clears throat> I, I can get behind that man I, I can understand where you're getting at with that um <clears throat> Not much else I can really say about this specific song. Like, um, when I'm talking about, like, you know, the song is basically about growing up and seeing your neighborhood change. Like, lyrics that, um, are, that showcase this feeling uh, are, I don't know when you got taller, see our reflection in the water, off a bridge at, at, at the Huntington. So it's basically about, like, hey, like, you know, um, you and I... Um, I don't know what happened, but we've changed, and, like, we, we grew up, we got taller, and the only other thing I have to say about this song specifically mm. is that the lower vocals matching Phoebe's in the chorus are very nice. They are. They, they, they come out of nowhere, but they are very nice, you're right, yeah. because you're just thinking, what is that, who is that singing, and why is this working so well, but... It does work very well, and, and it's a nice touch. And the one last thing I'll say about it is that the there's a theme towards the end of the song um, talking about, you know, I'll be whatever you want, whatever you want. And that is a theme that does come back more so at the end of the album, and I think sort of ties everything together toward the end. All right. Ready to, uh, ready to move off to, to Kyoto? Let's move on to Kyoto. All right, so interesting fact about this song, man. This was supposed to be, this originally started out as a ballad. Really? Yeah. And then huh. uh, Phoebe was basically like, uh, I don't know if I want to have 
uh, too many ballads on this album, so they they uh, they took that back in the instrumentation and just kicked it up um, like almost like double speed, and that was this was the end result here. Yeah. So, uh, so Kyoto was my introduction to this album, um, more of a formal introduction to Phoebe Bridges as a whole, and oh my gosh, <laughs> I love this song so much. I can see why. Yeah, yeah. I can see why. This song is very... Uh, it, it, I would probably say it's the most upbeat song on the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I can uh, I can definitely get behind that. Um, but, yeah, this song just starts out with, like, you, you, you get really right into Phoebe's mindset with, like, lyrics of Day Off in Kyoto, got bored at the temple, looked around at the 7-Eleven. They took... The band took the speed train, went to the arcade. I wanted to go, but I didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, there, there is a very, uh, I, I almost want to say touristy vibe to the song. Mm-hmm. That you know, you know, it feels like she. It doesn't feel like so much like she's visiting Kyoto, as her telling you about her visit to Kyoto, how she's a tourist and it's just like you know, you know, this seems cool, but I'm more interested in this and ooh, this looks interesting. You know, pay phones. They still have pay phones, you know. And, and I think that mixed with the upbeat, almost um, mid to late 2000s uh, keyboard work that's going on here, I, I think does paint a very good picture of uh, sort of this touristy vibe or, you know, and talking about the feeling of isolation, this feels like the escape part of the isolation where you're just having this memory of going into Kyoto and thinking, oh, that was fun right. before, you know, the rest of the album goes back into reality. I feel like um, this album as a whole is a um, has a has dueling elements of like Phoebe's feelings about being back home and just seeing like how things have changed and how desolate things are there and yeah. like just seeing like oh wait I have this whole other life where I'm visiting like you know um, here and here and here and here and here and even towards like the le- like I think even specifically the last song I don't feel like. Um, Phoebe ever finds peace anywhere. Um, but going back to Kyoto specifically, yeah. the one line that I did reference to start out the podcast, man, is I'm going to kill you if you don't beat me to it. The course off of Kyoto. And first listen to that, that catches your eye, right? It catches your ear right away, right? Right. And along with that, like how um, the chorus uh, hit you <coughs> with like, this swelling brass and strings. It is top notch, man. I, I I have no notes on that. I, I absolutely love it. Oh yeah, it, it, it's it's a good song. It's a good song. And when I did a little bit of some research into like that line, because maybe she wrote that that line as like a uh, kind of a ha ha look at me I'm being so funny kind of line, um, but <clears throat> apparently that line is basically describing her relationship with her father. And apparently her father has a tendency, or had the tendency, I don't know what the end result of the story was, but to be an alcoholic, be addicted to drugs, and she was just extremely frustrated with him at that point. Gotcha. And like, there's lyrics of like, um, at the end of the first verse, it, she's talking about, you call me from a payphone, they still got a pay, they still got payphones, it costs a dollar a minute, to tell me you're getting sober and you wrote me a letter, 
but I don't have to read it. Yeah, when I, when, every time I listened to that line, I was thinking, what is that about? Because it feels like in the context of the entire album, like it might be about a guy or maybe the guy throughout the album that she's trying to be with or was with or whatever the case was. But I, I'm glad you mentioned that because it does provide a little bit more clarity and perhaps, again, um, maybe the fact that it's about her father maybe is another form of the escape um, just sort of, you know, I'll deal with this problem in my mind so I don't have to deal with the other problems of, you know, where I'm at right now. Yeah. And then even to add to that, like, the second chorus, it changes up. It doesn't repeat the same exact line. Uh, the, the second chorus goes, I don't forgive you, but please don't hold me to it. Born under Scorpio skies. I wanted to see the world through your eyes until it happened. Then I changed my mind. So that's basically for yeah. me being, like, especially with the last couple lines, being like, hey, I wanted to like experience the world the way that you taught me how to do it, but I mm-hmm. kind of changed my mind. And basically, this is her forging her own path and basically trying to separate herself from her past. Right, which is, which is again a good thing to do. Um, and again, I think it's it, it does a nice job of tying this piece of um, escape with the reality that hey, there is a part of me then that wants to get away from what it was. <clears throat> so that by the time we get to you know this part of my life, that part of me still wants to call the shots. That part of me still wants to be in charge of where I want to be in life. So even though it's not about the same person, there is a parallel within Miss Bridgers. Oh, man, I, I love this song so much. Yeah, would yeah. you would you say it's your favorite song on the album? No, no, there are. Oh. I would say two other songs top it. So this would be my top three. Top three. Okay. Yeah, top three. Um, like, I don't really feel like there's a bad song on this album. I would agree with that. I would yeah. agree that there's not a bad song on the album, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that point because there there are songs that there are songs that are uh, not as um, tight knit, I would say, as the others. But we'll get there. All right. So. Ready to move on to Punisher? Let's do it. Alright, so I let off Kyoto. I'm going to let you lead off Punisher because I'm, I'm curious to hear what you have to say. So Punisher is interesting because this is the first, I would say, real dark song on the album, at least sonically. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the first time of a few times on this album in particular where I'm thinking that the sound of it is good. But I was talking before about how the vibes tend to carry the song more than anything else. This is one of those songs where it just feels like you can sort of, you know, turn your mind off and just listen to it. Um, and, that, and that's not to say that the lyrics are bad, because I'm sure that they're not. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, through, I think, three listens of it so far, there's not one part of that song where I can, like, distinctly, from the top of my mind, be like, oh, yeah, that song, that lyric, and that song. Which I, you know, for songs like Kyoto... Um, and a couple other song, songs down the line that, like, there were a couple more gotcha moments. I was like, oh yeah, I like that. I just didn't, I just didn't find it with this one. I would say with this song specifically, I would maybe disagree with you. On, okay. Not on the lyrics part because, um, absolutely, like you know, this song, this song specifically, the lyrics are pretty straightforward. It's detailing like her walking through. A town at night, and like, you know, her being on drugs, and like, you know, yeah. Um, essentially, this song is basically a love letter to her idol, Elliot Smith. And 
what I really was drawn to on this song, one, it's an incredibly beautiful song, man. Like, holy cow. But, like, there's different compositional elements that really just stuck with me. Like, I love um, how the instrumentation just drops out during the pre-chorus, during lines, uh, where she's talking about being in, plain, sight. It's like, yeah. it's like she's drawing you in. And you're like I'm absolutely all there for it, man. Like yeah. holy cow! I, I will say that the, the when I listened to it for the third time, I, I I agree with you on that. That did drag me in a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, and that was probably the be- best part of the song. Um, and I think too, this is one of the first songs where I think her singing really stands out, um, mm-hmm. and, and it does get better with the rest of the album. But I, this is one of the first time where it was mostly her voice carrying it. And again, I think my I wouldn't even say disdain for it. it it's just my it's not for me thing it's yeah. just how it's it, it just sort of floats sonically like I, I, I'll, I'll, this, I'll confess here you know I'm a sucker for big beat I'm a sucker for structure yeah. and while there is a little bit of that here it just didn't like grab me as much as other songs on the sound particularly did you know what's actually kind of interesting um, that you brought up you said like you know Phoebe really shows off her vocal chops here mm-hmm. but like one, like I'll be the first one to admit I love Phoebe Bridgers. If you, if nobody could tell right yeah. now, <laughs> um, but like in terms of like having vocal chops, like you know, like top of female uh, vocalists like in music history, like I wouldn't put her up there with the best. And but in terms of like technical skill, but you know what really brings you in. It's just the way that she sings. Yeah, it's so sincere that you absolutely believe every word that's coming out of her mouth. And and and, and, and that goes for a lot. You know, it's it's the old um, sort of the adage with Bob Dylan, where like on a proficiency level, he's not like a classically trained or even a good singer per se, but you know that he's singing his heart out, and you know that he is projecting honesty. And and Phoebe Bridgers does the same exact thing here, yeah. or at the very least, she projects an honest image of what she wants you to hear on this album, which is, in and of itself, very good. Man. Also, in my research, man, I discovered, well, this this is the title track off the album, and I was kind of curious, like, why is this album called Punisher? Why is this song called Punisher? Yeah. Uh, it's, basically, like, in her words, a Punisher is basically people who really drag the, like, like, drain people of like their energy that those people who are doing the draining don't even realize what they're doing right so like specifically like you know even from like she was more coming from a fan standpoint of like you know um hey you're a famous rock and roll star hey matt i love you so much man i'm like you know i i i, I was so depressed but then i came to your show and i took drugs okay can like, we just make that the intro for the podcast from now on? <laughs> but, like, you would probably be overwhelmed. You would be, like, you know, pretty drained. And, like, yeah. there's a lyric in there, like, especially in the chorus. Like, um, she talks about, what if I told you, I feel like I know you, but we never met. I, I, re- I do remember that line sticking out to me, too. Yeah. So, like, I feel that line with the context of, like, what she's calling a punisher and how this is basically a nod and, like, her love for Elliot Smith. It kind of ties it all in together. Yeah. Again, love the song. Not one of my favorites off the album, but that's basically comparing, like, you know, platinum to, like, gold. 
So, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a lesser good song, but still a good song. I would agree. I would agree. I would agree. All right. So we're going to move on to Halloween. Yes. All right. So give me one second here. Dun, 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 dun. Pulling up the lyrics. But yeah. So Halloween. Uh, so this song was actually uh, co-written with uh, Connor Oberst. Oh yeah, of Bright okay. Eyes fan. Maybe one day we could do like a uh, Bright Eyes album review. That might that would be interesting. Yeah, because I think I've referenced them so much in this podcast so far. I think you have. Yeah, it's actually kind of getting a little disgusting. It, it, <laughs> it, it's all building to something. It's all building to something. Um, but yeah, no. So Halloween uh, shows off um, Bridger's compositional strength. It's very bare bones instrumentation, but everything is planned and perfect. I agree. Yeah, like I, honestly, I'm, I'll, I'll just say right now, this is my favorite song on the album. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, I mean, the, the this was the song where it felt like it, 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 it does sort of float in the same way that Punisher does, mm-hmm. but it feels more structured. Mm-hmm. And I love the opening lines of "I hate living by the hospital. The sirens go all night." I used to joke that if they woke you up, somebody better be dying. I mentioned earlier how the entire image of the album was sort of like her lying in bed just trying to cope with life that those lines right there was what sealed it for me it's like okay i know how this album feels i know what it's about and i have come to peace with it absolutely man oh my goodness her her lyrics really suck you in right away with that with that specific part like you know and it adds to like you know her relatability and like just really what draws you in like because you can just imagine yourself being that person like um but yeah um other aspects that i'm going to talk about with this song specifically uh so this song is basically about being in a dead relationship right basically going through the motions being like baby it's halloween we can do anything and it kind of like i was listening to this song right as I was walking my dog for the dinner walk and just to like you know refresh a couple of different songs in my brain Mm -hmm. for this podcast and it kind of made me feel like this um have you listened to and if you haven't I don't judge you um uh Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license I have not okay so it's been a while since I've listened to it but like Halloween this song specifically like this is what Olivia Rodrigo was trying to go for with driver's license. Like, you know, sad girl driving in the car at night and like, you know, just that kind of feeling that you can just imagine just putting your head up against a window and just looking out into the night sky. Right. um, I'm not a fan of driver's license. I'm sorry for those of you who are Olivia Rodrigo fans. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But like this song blows it out of the water. Um, and the only other thing I would say about this song specifically, the outro featuring Connor Oberus is such a nice touch because with the song talk specifically being centered around being in a dead relationship, bringing in a male presence in there, especially one that had a such a heavy hand in writing the song, yeah, is a pretty nice nod. Yeah, I I, I really don't have anything else to add aside from again, it's it's a nice sparse tune. It gets its point across perfectly. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's the, to me, it's the centerpiece of the album. And, uh, the one last thing I will say about though, is that at towards the end, 
we start hearing the steam again of, you know, I'll be whatever you want, I'll be whatever you want, which is a contrast from the... Oh, I forget the name of the damn song. Uh, the second one, Garden... Garden Song. Garden Song, thank yeah. you. Uh, well, I guess it would have been easier if I just guessed. Um, in Garden Song, where she talks about getting whatever she wants, mm-hmm. where now she's willing to sacrifice saying, I'll be whatever you want. But because it's Halloween, is it really whatever she wants or whatever he wants? Eh, you never know. It's just be a costume. It's basically like, you know, <laughs> the equivalent of being in a relationship being like, hey, where do you want to go to eat? I, I don't care. Where do you want to go? I don't care. Where do you want to go? Like, that kind of back and forth. A little bit. And then you pick a choice just like, well, okay, I guess. I know. All right. Chinese Satellite. Chinese Satellite. All right, so this is one of my favorites off the album. Okay. I would say um, with the songs that have been talked about so far, um, I would say this is this beats out Kyoto. Really? Beats yeah. out Kyoto. And it's mainly because, like, uh, my memory, like, of really experiencing the song where it really hit me for the first time where the chorus really pops off and she talks about um so took a tour to see the stars but they weren't out tonight so i wished hard on a chinese satellite and this part really hit me like because when i heard the song for the first time and it really hit me i was walking my dog at night i'm doing a lot of my listening while walking my dog yeah i'm noticing a pattern i i drive you walk dog (laughs) yeah um but um the the part that really hit me like i experienced it at night i want to believe instead i look at the sky and i feel nothing you know i hate to be alone i want to be wrong and like how that's like during that part how the it becomes a big open course mm-hmm. where it's not just being like, you know, the typical millennial, like, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, like, it's so, so nice, man. Um, but yeah, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on Chinese style? I, 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 will, I will agree with you that the lyrics are some of the best on the album. Um, Sound-wise, I think it's up there with Kyoto. Um, so not quite my favorite, but at the same time, still very good. Um, and I do, and I do agree that the chorus tends to pop off a little more, uh, this time around than it would on, um, perhaps on like Punisher, um, or, or even Kyoto, for example. Like, I think like Kyoto for what it is, um, you know, it, it's more of a consistent pop thing where like this one the chorus stands out more than the verses, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, even quickly going through the track listing, um, I, I feel like this is the biggest chorus off the whole album. Um, it's up there, yeah. and I think there might be a couple that are maybe bigger, but that, that could just be me talking. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> we'll, it's all about discussion, man, so yeah. at the end of the day. So, um, um, going a little bit before the chorus, because this song... Uh, has a little bit more than just like you know that big old chorus feeling. So I mean, the song is basically about the feeling of wanting to take a leap of faith because you feel like you don't belong and you haven't been yourself. And this kind of ties into the themes of like you know um, Phoebe's mindset of like not wanting to be like not belonging in her in her hometown mm-hmm. and just not really feeling like she is herself and she's just not unsure. Um, 
Yeah. I know we've compared this song a lot to uh, Kyoto. Um, one final comparison I'll make to that is that um, with, with, with Kyoto, it feels like I mentioned it being escapist, like she's escaping to a memory in Kyoto. Yeah. This feels more like she's trying to escape but can't. So yeah. instead of trying, you know, escaping to, you know, this feeling of love on a, on a shooting star or on a Chinese satellite, she just realizes that may not be meant to be, so she's going to feel like, you know, a little devoid, but the sound of it is trying to match that of Kyoto, which means that her spirit is trying to match that of memory so long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, one last thing I'll talk about Chinese Satellite, and then we can move on to Moon Song, as opposed to Garden Song. Yes. <laughs> 10 out of 10, know the song name there, Miss Preachers. Um, but the transition from verse to chorus with the addition of drums from the first verse to the chorus is absolutely amazing. Like, you know, she, she has this tendency throughout this whole album, um, to really just have the uh, compositional strength in mindset to like just keep adding parts and parts and parts, and it's not as chaotic as like you know Black Country New Road. And mm-hmm. when we discuss that, it's more like, oh hey, like you know we did this, and I'm gonna add this 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 other spice over here, right? And then I'm gonna add this other spice over here, and then I'm gonna add this other spice. And before you know it, your mouth is just like you no know, like overwhelmed with flavor and I feel like you know if I could take a step back I I do recognize that this album came out in 2020 but I feel like that's the lack of change up and like you know the lack of like you know adding different elements with Liz Ferrer's Exile and Guyville Mm -hmm. that's what really held it back if she would have, like, you know, maybe added, like, one or two more elements, again, I know different time, and it wasn't the approach that she was going for. Right. But it's my right as an American citizen in America to have an opinion, especially if I have a podcast, to be like, this is, this is, like, because even if you take a further step back, like, this album as a whole, Punisher, basically has the same kind of vibe, and it clearly kind of does the same kind of thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. But the, what draws me into this album specifically is that there's different, like, Phoebe's vocals, they really draw you in. The lyrics are very sincere. But she has a compositional mindset of like, just adding here and here and here. If you really take the time to listen in, right, that, like, just absolutely speak to my heart. Right. I, I get that. I get that. Um, and, and the one thing I'll say into that comparison is that I think this album as a whole is sonically and structurally more cohesive than Exile and Guyville. Yeah. I will say that Exile and Guyville probably have more gotcha moments that are more uh, uh, portent to is that a word portent to my uh, likings and my uh, tastes. Mm-hmm. But I will say that overall, I would say this album is more cohesive and trying to get its message across both sonically and lyrically. Yeah, yeah. Um, side note, maybe one day, in terms of like, you know, this might be going off on a tangent, but I don't care. Um, mm. Maybe one day we can review a Beach House album. Um, okay. Because we're talking about vibey. Oh. Like, you know, that's just straight up vibes. And like, like I'm like, you're talking to somebody that has listened to some Beach House. I'm like, I don't know if I can 
deep dive it and like really be like, oh man, like you know the lyrics here because it's basically kind of like shoegaze. But I digress. So okay, Moon Song. I'm gonna let you lead this one off. Okay, Moon Song. I would say is a return back to the reality where the previous song was a sort of trip or trying to grasp at the escapism of Kyoto. Um, this song in particular goes back to her laying in bed contemplating or the sound of contemplating. And I would say the lyrics here are the key part of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the first lines seem almost tragically romantic or romantically tragic. Talking about you, you asked to walk me home, but I had to carry you and you pushed me in. And now my feet can't touch the bottom of you. You couldn't have, you couldn't have stuck your tongue down the throat of somebody who loves you more. So I will wait for the next time you want me like a dog with a bird at your door. And I feel like it's, 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 it's hard to decipher what exactly this means. You might have a better job of doing this. But to me, it feels like this is going back to the looking for love part of the album where she's like, oh, you know, I, there, this was, this felt romantic, but I'm not sure if it was romantic. I'm not sure. You might be a monster. You might be a punisher, or I might love you. I don't know. That's basically it, man. Like, you know, okay, cool. Like, um, this song <laughs> is basically, like, you know, between this and Halloween, like, it's basically um, a relationship fighting back and forth, man. Like, in the whole line about the, you know, um, uh, like a bird with a, like a dog with a bird at your door, like, this is basically referencing, like, you know, hey, if you come back, if, if you break up with somebody and you bring them back into your life, they want to show that they changed. Like, hey, look what I'm bringing to the door here. Gotcha. So, but, yeah, man, I, I, like, absolutely love the chorus where it's just, like, stuck your tongue down the throat of somebody who loves you more. Like, because you can really, like, when we talk about Phoebe's ability to, like, be sincere and really draw the listener in, there's no perfect example other than that. Like, I mean, there might be a couple, like, there's a, there's a couple, there's a few other examples, but, like, that is a prime example. Um, and, like, I, no other notes about that, man. Like, yeah. you did an excellent job describing it. Like, it has a nice uh, waltz feel. Um, love the lo-fi, lo- lo-fi peel to this song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. I uh, yeah. can't say any more. I'll, I'll say a little bit more. It's that um, I think there, there's a line in here I'm looking at right now where it says, you know, there's something I'm supposed to say, but I can't for the life of me remember what it is. And if I could give you the moon, I would give you the moon. Two points to that. Number one, I feel like you know, we talk about the last song being escapist, mm-hmm. or at least trying to be escape. I feel like that's another attempt at it. Like, she goes on rambles about... Uh, Tears in Heaven and The Baby Died, which is obviously a reference to uh, Eric Clapton's song, Tears in Heaven, which yeah. is about his baby dying. Yeah. And then sort of goes off on a tangent about um, fighting about John Lennon. Mm-hmm. But then she just sort of drifts off into this realization of, okay, well, I still love you. Yeah. So I feel like she's almost trying to escape from this love that she's hoping for, but at the same time, she realizes that that's what she wants at the end of the day. Yeah. You know what I'm kind of thinking about, man? Like, I don't know if, like, this is might be a direct relationship to, like, a literal person 
Or this could still just be about our hometown. Could be. Yeah. I, I, I did not consider that option, but it, it could very well be a possibility. Yeah, and I, to be honest with you, like I never really considered that until listening to you talk about this. Right. So. And then just to be clear about this, uh, Phoebe Bridgers is a independent woman. We are two white guys, so we are never going to truly understand what she's talking about. Yeah. Um, side note, you know what I discovered <laughs> the other day about her? What's that? She is or apparently was in a relationship with one Bo Burnham. I saw that too. Yeah. I think she still is. Yeah. That that would make sense because she did cover um, um, that song, That Funny Feeling. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They, they should do a collab project. Oh, that would be legendary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, props for y- uh, y'all out there who... Uh, Caught that censorship on my part. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're gonna move on to Saber Complex. Yes, let's do it. All right. So Saber Complex again with a nice waltz fill to uh, start out the song. Um, the nice bits of random noise are very nice, and the violin in between chorus and verse is also a very nice touch. Like you know, this is very. Uh, this has a lot of strings in there, mm-hmm. and the song is basically about her dealing with her own personality. With like the lyrics, uh, high, the lyrics that show this are "Baby, you're a vampire. You want blood, and I promise I'm a bad liar with a savior, savior complex. All the skeletons you hide, show me yours, and I'll show you mine." I agree with that. I will say this is probably one of the few songs on the album where the music does more of the work than the lyrics. Yeah. Not that the lyrics are bad, but I love the music on this track, particularly the um, going from the second chorus, I think it is, to the bridge back to the chorus. It just flows so nicely. Mm-hmm. That key change, you know, talk about Bo Burnham. Y'all don't... Okay, we won't want to say the line. Um... <laughs> But yeah, the, the key change is beautiful. Like the way it comes back to the last part of the song is just phenomenal. Um, and, I, and I talk about vibes on this album. This is where it, it is a positive for sure. Um, it, a slight side note for me this time. Um, a, one album I was thinking about a lot, and I think this might have been the first song that I thought about it, is an album that you introduced me to. Uh, Dragon New War Mountain I Believe in You by Big Thief. Yeah. I felt like the vibe on this particular track was very similar to that. Yeah. Like like very uh, country-ish or folkish um, with weird sounds but very smooth flowing sounds there. Now granted overall it's not the same. Yeah. You know, Big Thief, that album was recorded in a cabin in the woods. This album was recorded in a New York City apartment. <laughs> There's no question about that whatsoever. But Vocally and in the same timber, there are a lot of similarities with this song to that band. Maybe one day we can review that Big Thief album. Oh, jeez. You want to do a two-hour episode? Is that what, is that what you're hoping for? Is, is that what you were pushing on me, sir? Actually, um, if I can go off on a tangent, and forgive me for doing so. I mean, go for it. It is our podcast. But I, if I can recall correctly, I feel like the that album that we're referencing from Big Thief was recorded in three separate sessions. So we could technically record our podcast in three separate episodes. Yeah, yeah, uh, that would be a clever nod. But um, I, I feel like it might defeat the purpose of our podcast, where like we both listen to that album, so we're very familiar with it. True. So um, that being said, uh, back to Miss Bridgers. Um, do you have anything other 
Anything other notes? Any other notes to say about Savior Complex? For Savior Complex, no. I, I think it's a very good song. Okay. So, and now we're going to go into the last leg of the album with I See You. I See You. And this is... This is a savage song. Um, this is basically about a breakup that she had with her and her drummer, if I can remember correctly. The lyrics, the lyrics about, um, let me see here. If you're a work of art, I'm standing too close. I can see the brush strokes, basically saying, hey, I can see your imperfections. I hate your mom. I hate it when she opens her mouth. It's amazing to me how much you can say when you don't know what you're talking about. Dang. <laughs> and I was listening to a podcast, um, that basically had uh, Miss Bridget was talking about this album, this song specifically. Um, apparently, <laughs> this mom, in particular, voted for Trump. So oh, that 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 lyric is referencing that. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but even dialing it back, like um, the intro with the dueling strings is super nice. Mm-hmm. The open feel feeling during the first refrain is amazing. Um, where she's talking about, like, but I feel something when I see you now. And I, I love how like, there's so many elements and so many instances in this album where Phoebe really just opens it up. It doesn't do, like, a big chorus, but it you can really, like, relate to that feeling. Yeah, I I, I feel like this one, like, there, there were a couple moments, particularly the lyric about, I used to light you up, now I can't even get you to play the drums where it, the, the lyrics stuck out to me. Yeah. But uh, th- this felt a little bit more on, on the vibe side. Like, the vibes are different now. It feels like the vibes are sl- slowly shifting towards that countryish feel that uh, Garden Song and uh, the last song had provided. Yeah. Um, Savior Complex. Um, and, and I didn't... I, again, th- th- there's not a bad song on this album, but this one didn't quite stand out to me. Yeah. I feel like the reason why this one sticks out is the line about I hate your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which to be fair, I had not caught in the first two times I'd listened to it. So, you, you, next time you uh, listen to I see you, um, you're gonna really. Yeah. <laughs> gonna... I, I'm just gonna get out of the car and just do that meme where the dude's like, like spreading his face, and going like, oh. <laughs> All right. So, ready to move on? Let's do it. Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me do the justice here. I'm bringing up Graceland 2's lyrics. The justice. All right. So, I'm going to let you lead off Graceland 2. Okay. Graceland 2. I've been talking the last couple songs about the country feel of uh, the latter half of this album. Yeah. Um, This definitely kicks it up a notch. And it's also, when in my research, I learned that when Julian Baker makes an appearance on this song. And I will say the harmonies that she shares with Phoebe Bridgers on this track put this song right behind Halloween on my favorites on this album. Mm-hmm. This song is so good. This song is uh, is easily my favorite song off the album. Okay. I... Like, when I was doing my notes here, like, I can even show you. Like, I wrote, love, 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 love the old school country feel. Yes. And uh, the nice thing about this song is I don't think it's, like, a big, 
um, like, you know, song in terms of, like, you know, single or airplay. Like, maybe, like, um, while we're doing some research here, I can pull up the Spotify numbers, but, like, it it has a personal, song, personal feeling to me because I don't know if I listened to this one time when I was, like, not feeling, like, you know, myself. Yeah. And I needed, like, you know, a calming presence. But this song... Not that I would ever really have a rational, like, you know, mindset whenever I'm, like, experiencing a panic attack. But this song, along with, like, you know, Jesus, etc. from the last... Yeah. Well, well, from the Wilco episode that we did, like, I those songs basically probably have the capability of, like, calm me the hell down. Those are your warm bowls of soup. Oh, absolutely, man. <laughs> um, and just pulling it up real quick here. So, Graceland 2... Um. Okay, yeah, it, it's up there in, t- in terms of streams. Like you know, Halloween Ch- Chinese satellite um, have lesser streams than Graceland too. So, so this would probably be like the big song off the album if there was one to be like a single. Um, big songs again. Take this with a grain of salt with um, Spotify numbers. Like you know, big songs according to Spotify are Kyoto, the next song off the album. I know the end. And Garden Song. Like, those are the top three songs off the album. Gotcha. Um, but in terms of, like, you know, you made the, the nod to Julian Baker. Um, there's also another female singer-songwriter that makes an appearance off of this 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 uh, specific song. That's Lucy, Lucy Dacus. So... Oh, okay. One day, we'll, we'll talk about her. But, um, like, <clears throat> this song is basically about loving someone who does not do a very good job of taking care of themselves. And this is highlighted with the lyrics of um, she picks a direction, it's 90 in Memphis, turns up the music so thoughts don't intrude, predictably winds up thinking of Elvis and wonders if he believed his songs could come true. And like, just, like, I don't know, like, that vivid imagery, especially with, like, you know, that first, uh, lyric, first verse talking about how, like, she basically, um, made up her mind and laced up her shoes, yelled down the hall, but no one answered, so she, so she walked outside without an excuse. Right. Like, it's basically, like, her leaving, and I don't know if this is a, a nod to Bridger's, like, own, like, you know mental state about like wanting to leave one either a the relationship that we've referenced so much in this album yeah or the hometown aspect but like there's just so many i don't know elements here that kind of tie together and we'll talk about tying things together you, you mentioned the relationship part um again at the end of the song talking about i would do anything you want me to I will do anything, I will do anything, whatever you want me to do, I will do whatever she wants, whatever you want. So, especially compared with the last song, it feels like, to me, this is where, if this if this album is about a relationship that she wants to have, or a life that she wants to have based on a relationship, you know, maybe she wants, you know, the big house, the picket fence, and everything like that, that this is her realization, like, this is her last gasp saying, I'll be whatever you want just as long as you're in my life. And realizing that if she can't have the romantic aspect, she can at least have an aspect. 
Um, another note that I'll say about this song specifically, then we can go on to I Know the End, unless you have any other notes. Um, this song was written in Nashville, so... That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I just... I can't say enough about this song. Like, you know, um, it, it it's a very close second to, very close, like, you know, the next song is a very close second to Graceland 2, but just the impact that this song had in that specific time of my life would have really hit, it will always be a comfort to me. Like, the layers of banjo, strings, and bass is absolute perfection. This is, like, I should probably start making a uh, Spotify playlist of, like, perfect songs, and this would be up there. This would easily make that wow. playlist. Like, I can't, I know notes about this album. There's no, nothing wrong with this. Uh, I, I, where, where can I go from that? <laughs> All right, so you know where you can go from there? The end. Yeah, do you know the end? The end is here. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah, All right, yeah. so I let off Graceland 2. I'll let you, uh, uh, start off. I know the end. So the uh, the reason I was talking about how the last song felt like the um, last gasp at trying to get a relationship or that life of you know the you know American dream life. This feels like the realization by the protagonist of this album that that's not going to happen and that this is the end. And this feels like just you know her realizing that all this is a pipe dream and looking at the lyrics when i get back i'll lay around and i'll get up and lay back down romanticize a quiet life there's no place up my room bam there's the whole album in one chorus right there absolutely man like like you talk about like indecision being like you know hey like You, you hit the nail right on the head. Like, even before that, she talked about somewhere in Germany, but I can't place it. Man, I hate this part of Texas. She's like, she doesn't even know where, like, she, she is at that point. Yeah. And then close my eyes, three clicks, and then I'm home. And then, like, it goes into the next one that you're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. it really gives that dual element of, like, you know, hey, this is where, like, she's experiencing confusion where she is now. And then, like, the part that you're talking about is just basically, like, hey, like, she romanticizes about, like, you know, just her her previous life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then from there, it goes into, like, you know, one of my favorite parts of the album. And, like, maybe by the end of this discussion, or you can ask me if the song officially took over Graceland 2. Because more and more I think about it, the more and more I love 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 the crap out of this song okay um but um the chorus uh, that happens after that where it's like she's talking about but you have to go i know i know i know like a wave that crashed and melted on the shore like such vivid imagery imagery and like the like how she repeats i know i know i know like holy cow man yeah like, I, I can't say much more about that other than, like, that's excellent songwriting, excellent vocals, excellent vocal delivery. I, I will agree with that um, as far as it being excellent songwriting, excellent uh, vocal presence. However, I would say what doesn't work for me on the song is how at the end it gets... I mean, I mean, I mean it works in a literary sense how it sounds... Yeah. where the end some sort of comes crashing in and you know she's going this rambling tangent I do literally love the lyrics of you know either way we're not alone I'll find a new place to be from a haunted house with a picket fence 
to float around and ghost my friends. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a realizing, okay, well, I guess I'll just try something else and, you know, hope it works and, you know, maybe continue to live this life where I just dream and my dreams don't come true. But sonically, it just doesn't work for me. It's it's a little, little too noisy towards the end. And... I is this the part? I am trying to break your heart. Um, I mean, it, it's not bad. It's just not for me. For those of you who are not tuning into our live feed, whenever Matt was talking about his uh, not like his love for the ending, I took off my glasses and like you know, rubbed his eyes, and I'm like, he's like, you sob, what have you done? Because I absolutely love the ending to this song. <laughs> Um, but um, we'll we'll get to there. Like you know, the transition between the opening part and let's see what my notes say. <coughs> um, so rewinding it a little bit here. Um, so the second chorus goes from like you know, uh, it, it talks like the first verse talks about the first chorus talks about. But you had to go. I know, I know, I know. And the second course goes, so I gotta go. I know, I know, I know. Um, when the sirens sound, you'll hide under the floor. But I'm not gonna go down with my hometown in a tornado. I'm gonna chase it. So basically, this is her decision to let you know, hey, I'm gonna leave town. And I'm gonna just, you know, make life on my own. And from there, the song changes pace. Right, which and, again, I, I I like that it does that. Yeah, it just doesn't sound great to me. I I, I, did, I respectfully disagree with you. That's 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 fair. This is our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like from there, like you really get the sense of her basically getting in her car and just driving the hell out of town, and like especially with the lyrics where she's talked about. No, I'm not afraid to disappear. The billboard said the end is near. I turned around. There's nothing. There was nothing there. Yeah, I guess the end is is here. So it's basically saying the end is basically where she came from, and she's making a whole new life from her own. And like you know, when you talk about like the different elements of like you know mm-hmm. what we talked about in this album with her dealing with an ex love, with a, an alcoholic father, like. Her is separating her own life, basically being like, hey, I can't be here anymore. And from there, the absolute chaos that you you, you love. <laughs> again, again, I, I like how it's... I, I like what it did. It just doesn't sound as... Like, like uh, I'll, I'll make this comparison. Okay, yeah. You talk about how the song goes, I know, I know, I know, and then sort of ends in this gigantic, like, realization. Yeah. A song that immediately came to mind is the song Angry Woman by Ash, which I think does this sort of realization, or at least this sonic boom of chaos at the end, a little bit better than this one does. Okay. I, I, I think liter- in, in a literary sense, or literary sense, of telling the story... Th- the way it's done sonically is is good. Like I agree with what this song does. Yeah. It's just when I, when I put it in my ears, it's not a song I would want to listen to repeated times. Okay, okay. <laughs> it, this is a song I can re, I can 
know, revisit a couple of different Right. Times. And I'm speaking as of now. Ten years down the line, it might be, you know, I, I might write a whole book based on this song. But for right now, it's just not in my wheelhouse. Or maybe six months down the road. Or maybe, you never know. <laughs> um, it would be interesting to, like, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of years from now, whenever, like, you know, we get, like, a thousand followers on Spotify. Uh <laughs> <laughs> we can uh, do like a, a re redo on a couple of different uh, album choices, but um, that being said, um, the end basically where it's just like you know a bunch of different instrumentation clashing in together, mm-hmm. and like the soul the soul shattering screams that you hear in the background, yeah, like holy cow, man! Like yeah. that that was the that was the uh, icing on the cake, and like what even drove it home. Is after everything is said and done, the last little bit that you hear from the album is Phoebe basically running out of breath and trying to scream. Yeah. Which, right. again, uh, reminded me of... This is the second time in three episodes I've ever referenced Sleep Boy Camp, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> spoilers, but not spoilers. Uh, if you guys have not seen that movie, 10 out of 10, no, no, no. I no. would recommend. No notes. <laughs> um... Speaking but, of ratings. Uh, so, yeah. That is basically the album as a whole. Um, I feel like we did a good job on it. I think we did, too. Um, so, I'm just going to basically say this is a 10 out of 10 for me. I, I figured you would. <laughs> I figured you were going to say it was a 10 out of 10. Like, big shocker. I'm a huge fan of this album. Uh, any, any notes to add to that? or? Um, I mean, just her ability to be very sincere... Like there are some tracks where it like it's not as like it's not as prominent where she's able to show her compositional strengths, but every song can't be a, 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 a an Italian sausage, um, <laughs> but. I know what you mean by that, but at the same time, what? <laughs> like, it can't be just, like, a, a perfection piece. Like, you got to do some other elements differently. Look, even when I revisited this album, like, songs like Punisher, Moon Song, Savior Complex, like, those songs that I wasn't as familiar yeah. with, like, I really got, really got sucked into. Like, even, like, in our discussion, when, even when you made the comment about Phoebe being a very good vocalist, and I thought about, mm-hmm. like, she really doesn't have it that. She doesn't really have that much chops to like her her wheelhouse, but her main appeal is her ability to draw in. Also, just like again, compositional elements, her big songs, Graceland two, and I know the end. Um, like this easily is a ten out of ten for me. Okay. Um, well, I will say you've done a little bit of convincing for me. But not enough to give it a 10. I will say this is an album where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Okay. Like, listening to this album from front to back is a great experience. There's not a bad song on the album. There's, you know, a couple songs that are just kind of there, which are the worst ones. But um, at the same time, you talk about the Italian sausage thing. And I'll admit, I, I do like... You know, the musical equivalent of an Italian sausage. Which, I guess, might be the title of this episode. I don't friggin' know. Um, But, like, there wasn't... Like, aside from the harmonies on um, Graceland 2, or perhaps the um, instrument or interlude on Savior Complex, or the lyrics on 
um, Halloween, there weren't literally a whole lot of gotcha moments where I would sing a lot of song and be like, okay, I want to listen to this over and over and over again. Like, I think this album is very good. I think this album is fantastic. I think the lyrics are fantastic. But just based on the general vibes of it, like, there wasn't a, for me, there wasn't like a Jesus, etc., or a Bound to or a um, sunglasses, per se, that really, like, stood up. It was like, yes, I want this so bad, I need this in my life every day type of song. But overall, the album is, is very good. I would recommend it to anyone who wants to listen to it. You've convinced me I'm going to give it an 8. Mission accomplished. I was originally, I, I originally was started like, 7, and then I was like, okay, maybe a little bit, and then I was just like, okay, it's an 8. Because cause realistically, compared to Exile and Guyville, like, there's a, there are, are gotcha moments on that album that I like, but I think this album is a little bit better than that as far as, like, cohesion and structure and um, just overall presence. I, I can absolutely uh, get behind that. And, like, to be honest with you, like, again, you don't have to base your ratings on, like, what... I, I don't, I don't, but the more I thought about it, it's like, you know, is this album really as good? Because I was going to give it a 7.5, like, compared to Exile and Guyville, but I'm thinking... It's, 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 it's better. It's okay. better. It's it, especially as a whole album. Now, like, what there would there be songs on Exile and Guyville I would rather listen to, for the most part, than ones on um, this this album Punisher. Maybe, but I don't know. It, it's it's tough. But I, I, I overall great album, great lyrics. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so. For uh, yens out there who are like, hey, where do I go from here if I want to listen to more Phoebe Bridgers? So there's a couple different avenues that you can do. Um, but if you really specifically love this album and you want to explore different Phoebe Bridgers from here, I would point to her previous album, Stranger in the Alps. And like, these are her only two like solo albums that she has. So Stranger in the Alps is the official recommendation that I'm doing. And then Punisher is the album that we just, you know, reviewed. Yeah. Um, and then like other projects that, projects that she's worked on. Um, there's Better Oblivion Community Center. Let me just make sure I got that correct. Oblivion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's her collab project with Connor Obris. If I... Uh, no, I got that right. Um, that's her collab project with Connor Oberst. And then um, there's also the big record that came out um, with uh, Boy Genius called, literally called The Record. Yeah. And then they, they also released an EP. But like, if I were to give an honest recommendation, I would recommend people to check out Stranger in the Alps or Phoebe Bridgers after you get done listening to Punisher. Okay. Um, I kind of spoiled it earlier as far as what my recommendation would be. I at first thought maybe something along the lines of like Blue by Joni Mitchell, sort of another introspective album about a relationship, which I would recommend to anyone who hasn't listened to it. Yeah. Which I don't know if you're a part of that, but you know, whatever. Um, but I will stick to my guns and say that if you want to listen to an album about uh, sort of this in the same tone of a vibey album with uh, very sparse elements. Um, Dragon, New World Mountain, I Believe in You by Big Thief. Excellent album, man. Excellent album. Absolutely. All right. So, that being said, it is your turn to pick the it next one. It is my episode. turn to pick the next one. Do you know what you're going to pick? Uh, hmm. You know what? Since. Let me ask you this. Have you listened 
to uh, Blue by Joni Mitchell. No. Then that's going to be our next album. All right, cool. So we're just continuing on with, like, you know, our theme here. Yeah, our, sorry, our female singer-songwriter era. Okay, cool. Um, so do you have any other things, any other notes to say about Phoebe Bridgers as a whole before we send us out? Uh, just that if uh, you um, like the album, I would... Because uh, I know listening to this and thinking, you know, especially with, like, Graceland 2, I'm thinking... You know, because I, I learned that, you know, they collab together in Boy Genius. I'm thinking, okay, I, I might check that out, too. Um, but since I haven't listened to it, I can't really recommend that. Um, but aside from that, I'm glad I I'm glad I listened to this album. Yeah. And I'm glad you liked it, too, man. Like, I, I was kind of nervous because I was listening to it, like, a couple of days ago. I'm like, yeah, I really like this, but I don't know if there's enough here that Matt can really, like, sink his teeth into. Right. And, and there... And, and, you had the right concerns, but ultimately, I think, um, again, listening to the album as a whole is probably the best way to listen to this album. Like, there's only a couple of individual songs I think stick out, but mostly, if you really want to appreciate the sound for what it is, start to finish. And it's only 40 minutes long, so it's not going to take you that long. Yeah. All right. So that basically does it for this episode. Hey, listen to this. Um, if you like this episode, uh, please do us a favor and uh, rate us a uh, five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. Nope. <laughs> uh, share this podcast with a friend. Uh, share it with your, uh, your dog's friend. Share it with your friend's dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. Um, and you can find us on all social media platforms, including Threads. We have Threads now. As of today. Um, which, when we're recording this, not when you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be um, that would be interesting if you're able to, like, you know, edit this down and post it in one day, man. Oh, no. Mm, no. <laughs> no. Um, I got a hockey wash tonight. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and if um, you guys have an if you guys have an episode idea, feel free to hit us up on our mailbag and tthaylisten at gmail.com um, you reach out to us on Twitter yeah 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 TT and it's still called Twitter yeah <laughs> I, I refuse to call it X cause, same cause uh, I don't want to don't want to let the communists win yeah no. um, but yeah uh, for the last time for this episode I am Ryan Kearns I'm Matt Derzik and uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Hey Listen to This and you know <laughs> this is the end. This is the end. <laughs> is that what you were trying to get me to do? No.